Thank you for joining us for another strategic word. Network Edification is committed to the advancement of the kingdom in all spheres through the ministry of God's word, leadership development and church planting. Get ready to be enlightened. Good morning and welcome to today's session of Network Edification's conference, God Dimensions. God Dimensions. And one of the first thoughts that came to mind as I was preparing today's message was that God Dimensions isn't a theme or a title, but rather it's God cluing us into what his intentions are for us at this time and in this season. And there's a quote from one of the famous um, revivalists of our time, the early 1800s, Charles Finney. And he said, anyone who wants revival can have it. They just have to pay. Also known as God dimensions are still possible, but it won't come cheap. And this is one of the things that we'll be looking at today. So Charles Finney was someone whose face others came in contact with and they encountered God, literally. He would walk into a place and just his presence alone would bring conviction to the hearts of men and women. So men and women encountered God as they saw this ordinary man's face. And he was known as the walking revival. And oh, that we would have a generation of walking revivalists. So today's topic is face to face with God, face to face with God. And as I said before, I believe that this is an invitation from God himself for us to walk into the realities that he has in mind for you and I in this period and through this conference. And we all know what's going on in the world right now. We know the pandemic and the world crisis that we're going through, which has caused us to be restricted in the ways in which we meet each other. For example, we can't have face-to-face -face meetings as we usually would. And so organizations, churches, businesses all over the world have moved so many things to online. Right. And I'd like to liken that to us as believers and our relationship with God. There aren't any restrictions, fortunately. So us coming face to face with God, we haven't been restricted in that. However, just like there's an absence of face to face meetings in the world today, there seems to be a dearth or an absence of the number of people who walk so closely and so intimately with God that it's evident for the world to see. And again, with this message, face to face with God, in this conference with the theme, God Dimensions, I believe that God is telling us that it's still possible, even today, for us to walk so closely, so intimately with God, in such a way that we can say we have been face to face with God. It's God's plan for us, and it is still a possibility today. So, you know, we should be able to say that in my generation, if I'm here, now that I've come to the face of the earth, there shouldn't be this statistic that there is such a low number of people that walk closely and intimately with God in such a tangible and palpable way. So we should be able to say, I'm in this generation, so not on my watch, not in my time. As long as I'm here, I too will be a walking revivalist. And so shall it be for you and I, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. So, we mustn't settle for anything less than that which is possible with God. You and I mustn't settle for anything less than that which is possible. We've been called to push the limits. We've been called to push the limits. And Exodus chapter 20, 
verses 18 to 21, Exodus 20, 18 to 21. It speaks about Moses and the Israelites and how God had called the Israelites to come up to the mountain to see him. But yet the Israelites said, no, we will stay here. Moses, you go and you can speak to us on behalf of God. And I've never really thought about it until now that it was an open invitation for access to God. However, the Israelites said, do you know what? We'll keep a safe distance and you go and speak to God. Verse 20, Abraham tries to encourage them that, you know, they shouldn't fear. They shouldn't be afraid. But yet the following verse again still says that the Israelites decided to keep a safe distance while Moses went to the mountain to see God. Okay, so I'm going to start off by speaking about responsible Christianity, responsible Christianity. So Christianity isn't just a faith. It's a responsibility. Yes, we are to be excited and enlightened that we've been called um, sons of God and children of God. But it's not for us to keep it there. There's a responsibility that has been placed on each and every one of us as we become sons of God. And many times in our walk with God and our pursuit of him, we become lethargic, we become lazy and we sit back as though we have a right to do so, as though, you know, we're doing ourselves a favour so we can decide not to do ourselves that favour. But as I said, in our pursuit of God, in our chasing after him, it's not so much something that we've decided to do, but it's a responsibility that has been placed on us. So we think that our desire to seek God is merely dependent on us or about us. But Philippians 2 verse 13, it tells us that it is God that is at work in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure or his purposes. So like the Israelites, we've become tired of waiting, you know, and pressing into God. So much so that the Israelites, you know, they said to Aaron, okay, we're, we're tired, you know, let's, let's do something on our own. Let's make something for ourselves. But we don't have the right to time. We don't hold time. And so we can't say we've pressed in enough to God or we've done enough. We don't have that right for it is God at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure and his purposes. So he's the one that gives us the sanction to know that, okay, you've arrived. So newsflash, it's not all about us. And even though David in Psalm 27 verse four said, one thing have I desired of the Lord and that one thing will I seek after. Even though it may seem like it was his desire, it was God at work in him that gave him that desire to pursue God. And that's why David could be known as a man after God's heart, right? He could be known as a man after God's heart because ultimately his desires had so aligned with God so again, it was God who placed those desires in him and he simply aligned himself with them. And so he was a man that pleased God. Stay with me, I'm going somewhere. All right, so in fact, we actually come last in the list. So like I said, it's not about us. Our pursuit of God is not us doing a favor, but ultimately we've been called to be responsible for a generation. We've been called to be accountable to God, to be accountable to um, the people in the world, and even more so angels and rulers in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter three, it tells us that God's intention from the beginning was for the church to display his manifold wisdom, not just to the world, but even to unseen rulers. 
So our generation and our world isn't interested in many of our programs and revivals. Those are for us to be equipped to display him to the world. So even creation knows that all they need to come in contact with are sons of God, genuine sons of God. How do we know this? Romans chapter eight, verse 19, it says creation waits eagerly or expectantly for the manifestation of the sons of God. So again, creation knows that all they need to do is actually come in contact with genuine sons of God and they will encounter God. So creation is looking and searching for manifestation. And why the word manifestation? To manifest means to, to be made apparent or to be made evident or for something to be noticed for what it really is. And many are calling themselves sons and children and friends of God, joint heirs with Christ, laying claim to fellowship with God, but without proof or tangibility of such professions and claims. So creation waits for the manifestation of sons and it isn't wrong for them to do so. If we think about when John the Baptist was in prison in Luke chapter seven and he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, you know, are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for or do we look for another? And Jesus didn't give them reports to send back to say, yes, I'm the Messiah. He said, mention the things that you see me doing. You know, the blind are seeing, the lame are walking, the sick are becoming healed. So there is a measure of action or reality that needs to come with our claim of being sons and children of God. So essentially us obtaining this God dimension of being face to face with God or walking so closely and intimately with him, so much so that it becomes evident to the world is not something that we have decided to do. So it's not something we can consider a nice idea or a suggestion. It's God's very intention and purpose for all of us who are sons of God. And as such, we ought to align ourselves with God's purpose. Romans 8, 19 again, creation waits eagerly for the manifestation of the sons of God. So we are responsible to God, we're responsible to man, we're responsible to even angels. And our pursuit of God isn't just about us, it's about who we've been called to. So Matthew 5, 14 and 16 scriptures that we all know as believers, you know, it says that you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may glorify your father in heaven. So this is the light of the world speaking to us to tell us that we are now the light of the world. So Jesus is conferring responsibility to you and I as children of God. And the only cure for darkness is light. And the explanation for darkness is an absence of light. So it isn't just that darkness is reigning in our generation, but it's more so that the light isn't taking responsibility. The light isn't doing their job. You and I haven't taken responsibility for what we ought to do in this time and in this generation. And to do that job, to be the light of the world, we must first come in contact with the main light which is God. We must first come face to face with God. And that's how light really works.
the moon, for example. The moon reflects the sun. That's where it gets its light from. And so that's why it's so important that our pursuit of God and our desire to come face to face with God has to be something that we spend our lives doing. We can't relent. We can't become tired. We can't give up because we are responsible for a generation. I believe it's Judges 2.10 that says a generation arose that didn't know God. And it's because the light in that generation didn't do their job. So to display the face of God to my generation, I must come in contact with his face. To have influence, I must first be influenced. And we can't have any credible impact on our generation without being impacted first. And so again, coming face to face with God is not a good idea. It's not a nice statement, but really and truly, it is the responsibility of every believer to pursue God to the maximum so that our generation is impacted for God. A man of God said, we have to come in contact with heavy matter before we can matter heavily. So I invite you to seek God again and to seek him again until, until, and that word until, I'm going to come to it in a second. But someone said that a person that is serious about encountering God to a higher dimension or God dimension doesn't count the days or the hours or the sweat that they've put into seeking God. They are outcome driven. So they keep going until they, lo they lay hold of what is possible. They keep going until, until, until. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, it tells us that, particularly in verse 12, that we have access and we can come boldly to God through Jesus Christ. So we have access. So God wants us to come face to face with him more than we even do ourselves. And it's not something, you know, we're begging him for. For indeed, it was his purpose from the beginning. That's what Ephesians chapter 3 tells us. And what was that purpose? to use the church to display his manifold wisdom to even unseen rulers. And there's a book that I was reading recently called 50 People Every Christian Should Know. And it speaks about people who did wonders in our generation and in England um, hundreds of years ago. And God is saying that he's still interested in doing all those wonderful things again. He's still interested in bringing a revival to this nation. He's still interested in his sons and daughters walking face to face with him. And this is what the world is waiting for. Creation waits eagerly. The son of a lion is a lion. The son of an elephant is an elephant. And the sons of God are supposed to be God's display to the world. And if we think again about Moses and the Israelites in chapter 20 of Exodus, again, both Moses and the Israelites had the opportunity to encounter God closely. They had the opportunity to come face to face with God, but only one person took up that invitation and that was Moses. So we see here that it's a choice. We may have access and the opportunity, but ultimately it is a choice we have to take up. And God is calling us to take up that opportunity in this season. The Israelites were happy to stay at the bottom of the mountain. The Israelites were satisfied with just remaining on the surface, staying at a safe distance. 
That's how the Amplified Version says it, Exodus 20, verses 18 and 21. They said, let's stay at a safe distance. They were happy to just be fed by the pastor on a Sunday morning. They were happy to just read stories of revivalists. They were happy to just hear of things that had happened in the past. It was the easier option to play it safe. And how many of us have become content with just hearing and reading about men who walked with God or men who were face to face with God? That's a problem if we are comfortable with that. So the Israelites, they were lukewarm essentially and they probably wouldn't have wanted to admit it and some of us also probably wouldn't like to admit it but lukewarmness and complacency in our walk with God will keep us from coming face to face with him and dare I say it is a sin so don't think for a minute that this is all that God has for me or this is all that God can do with me all I can experience of him it's almost a sense of pride in a sense but God is saying I'm calling you to walk with me face to face. We can't be proud and, you know, be content with where we are. It's a form of pride to be satisfied when there's a God without dimensions who is calling you to seek him. You can't afford to be satisfied or complacent. And one of our fathers in the faith, <coughs> he said, he had a very rich uncle who was telling a story and he said that he had a very rich uncle when he was young and if you asked the uncle for a small amount of money he wouldn't even answer you because he would find it as an insult for you to ask him for so little but if you would mention a large amount of money he would then say okay now we can have a conversation now god who has riches in glory beyond pounds beyond silver beyond dollars God who has riches and glory is calling us a higher calling. He's calling us to walk with him face to face. So how dare we settle for less? How dare we settle for less than that which is possible? We can't be okay with where we are. We have to push in and press in to God. There are realms of glory that my world should see. That's the lyrics from a song called, um, at all costs, I want God at all costs. There are realms of glory that my world must see. And I am responsible, responsible Christianity. Now imagine the effect on the world that it would have had if it wasn't just Moses who went face to face with God. Imagine if all of the Israelites had taken up that opportunity and you can liken it to our world today. Imagine if all believers are pressing into God the way that they ought to. Imagine the effect that our world would have. So there's a higher calling being presented to us today. There's a higher calling available, but as Charles Finney said, there's a price to be paid. Even Paul in the book of Philippians chapter three, verse 14, he said, I press toward the mark of the high calling. Paul says, I count myself not to have apprehended. I count myself not to have made it yet, I press in. He's the same person that said that I may know him, someone that knew God so well, you know, yet he was able to say that I may know him and I press toward the mark of the high calling. 
So if you've become lethargic in your faith, if you're just on cruise control and you're just, you know, coursing, it's time for you to remember that you are responsible for a generation and coming face to face with God is not a good idea. It's a responsibility of yours. So as I said, there's a price to be paid. Moses still had to go up the mountain. He didn't just accept the invitation, but he was willing to face the upward struggle of going up a mountain. And though the invitation was given, there were still requirements. He had to press in. He had to take hold of what was available. And it's like the parable of the wedding feast. You know, the invitation was made to all. But even when those that came in, came in, there was still, um, there was still a, um, a looking of the dress code. They had to examine whether the person that came in was wearing the right garments. And so the dress code for walking face to face with God, firstly, is prayer. James 5 verse 16, it says that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Also commitment and pressing in, Philippians 3.14 that we just read, and also wrestling with God, Luke 16 verse 16. Since the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Take it by force. And also Matthew chapter five, verse eight tells us that holiness, purity, righteousness is a requirement to see in God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Ordinary men coming face to face with God. Do it again, O Lord. So the first requirement that I said there for walking face to face with God is the requirement of prayer. And that's dogged, persistent, effectual, daring prayers and James chapter 5 16 as we just read the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much or another version says makes much power available and I was listening to um, a preacher speaking the other day and she was telling the story of a professor who taught theology to some of his students and he took them on a field trip let's say to sites of where revivalists used to live and he took a couple of students to the house of John Wesley and he was showing them around the house showing him the books that he would read and then he pointed to his bedroom and he took them inside and he showed them that there were dents in the carpet on the floor beside um, John Wesley's bed and he told them that this is where John Wesley would pray for hours on end you know, on a regular basis. This wasn't a five minute or 10 minute prayer, but he was someone that was crying out for revival on a daily basis. And so it was time to go. And the, the, the professor, as well as the students, they got into the car to head back. And he realized that one of the students were missing. So he went back into the house and he saw, or he heard one of the students praying in John Wesley's bedroom, kneeling down in the same place that John Wesley had knelt all those years ago. And he was just saying, Lord, do it again, do it again. And so the professor put his hand on the shoulder of the student and said, it's time for us to go. And that student was Billy Graham, one of the greatest revivalists of our time. He was just praying, Lord, do it again, do it again. And God is ready to do it again for those who can trust him enough and are willing to pay the price. Waiting for those who are willing to go face to face with him so that their faces radiate and their generation can't recover from them. I want to speak about Jacob really quickly. 
in the book of Genesis chapter 32. We read about Jacob who wrestled with an angel of God or wrestled with God. And I said earlier that we need to, you know, shake off complacency and this feeling of, you know, we've received all that we can of God or that God only moved then and isn't willing to do the same right now because that's a lie. He is willing. And Jacob was someone who wasn't content. He wasn't content with just beholding an angel. We know that he wrestled to get more. He wrestled until he obtained something which was close contact, which was impact, so much so that, you know, the Bible tells us that his hip was dislodged. And I said this before, a person that is serious about encountering God to a higher dimension doesn't count time. He doesn't count what he's put in to be able to get what he wanted. That person is outcome driven. They don't care what it will cost. They will press in until they receive, until they receive. And how do we know that Jacob was such a person? He wasn't counting the time. It was the angel that had to tell him, let me go, it's almost daybreak. Meaning we've been here for hours, we've been fighting all night. But Jacob still said, I'm not gonna let go until I receive all that is possible with you, until I receive a blessing. So Jacob was too purpose and outcome driven. He knew what he wanted and he knew it was possible. So there are many things to learn from Jacob, even though we know he made some mistakes in the past, but his tenacity, his determination, and his ability to wait. Some of us in this generation, we give up too quickly, or we become tired too easily of pursuing God. But we need to learn to be tenacious. We need to learn to hold on to God, to contend for that which is possible with God. This same Jacob, a few chapters before, he gives another example of waiting when he wanted to marry Rachel, you know, and he was told he would have to work seven years. And he said, you know what? I love her so much that waiting seven years won't be a problem. It won't feel like even seven hours. But yet he was tricked and he was told that he had to wait another seven years. But yet the Bible tells us that he agreed to this. And that tells us that for what we want, we have to be persistent, we have to be determined, we have to be patient. Like a sower sows seeds, you can't sow a seed today and expect the harvest to come today, but it's gonna come persistently over time. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not just seek him once or seek him here and there, but God is looking for those whose hearts are stayed on him and whose hearts will be stayed on him diligently. God is reminding us in this season that coming face to face with him is still a possibility. Yeah, it's still a possibility. God is looking for those whose knees are still on the ground, who will wait and trust him. Who, like it says in 2 Chronicles 16 verse 9, God is looking for those whose hearts are stayed on him, whose hearts are fully committed to him so that he can strengthen them even to continue to do so. Ordinary men, face to face with God. Do it again, Lord. All right. And I mentioned that another requirement of coming face to face with God is being daring. It's being daring. Psalm chapter 34, verse 5. It says, they looked upon his face 
and their faces were made radiant. Another version says they looked expectingly onto him and they became bright and their faces were not ashamed. Their faces were not ashamed. So that tells us that there was a possibility of shame or disappointment being the outcome. And I started off by saying that, you know, that we've become tired, we've become lethargic in our walk with God, in our pursuit of him. We've started to become a bit lukewarm when we don't really see the results that we'd hope to see or the results that we read about in scripture or in the lives of previous revivalists. Many have become discouraged and have lost their risk factor with God. And remember, we're speaking about the requirement of being daring when we're talking about face to face with God or coming face to face with God. Many have become discouraged and have lost their risk factor with God. Many have stopped pursuing more because they don't want to be disappointed. But let's read that scripture again. Psalm chapter 34 verse five. They looked expectingly onto him. God is asking for us to come to him with expectation. We can't just come to God because it's what we do. He's not looking for tradition. He's not looking for church. He's not looking for religion, but he's looking for those that will still at this time, even in the midst of great darkness, look expectingly onto him. So that scripture says they looked expectingly onto him and they became bright and their faces were not ashamed. So many have stopped pursuing more because they don't want to be disappointed. But this scripture tells us that they looked onto him, their faces were made radiant and they were not disappointed or they were not put to shame. So I dare you to look on God again. I dare you to trust him again. I dare you to pursue him like you've never done so before. I dare you to look upon his face and to ask for his face. Don't let fear shortchange you or um, cause you to think that miracles and wonders aren't still possible with you. Don't let fear shortchange you of miracles and wonders. Some people say, you know, I'd rather not try than try and not receive. But this is not the faith life that we've been called to. Don't let something not happening, um, not happened previously, be the yardstick to which you determine whether God can do something for you now. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 18 to 19, it tells us that God says, forget the former things, whether good, whether bad, whether there were heights that you reached or not. He says, forget the former things. Why? Because I want to do a new thing. I want to do a new thing, even with you. So what's on the other side of your fear? You'll never know until you become daring with God. Someone said that the riskiest thing to do is not to take a risk. And so God is asking us to stretch our faith, to receive those dimensions that we've never received before. We have to do things we've never done before. We have to press in and pursue God like we've never done before. Again, complacency, lukewarmness, satisfaction with where we are or where we've been is ultimately the enemy of us coming face to face with God. It's the enemy of us receiving and obtaining that higher call that has been placed before us. So again, 
You'll never know what is possible until you become daring with God. Moses, like the Israelites, had every opportunity to be as fearful as they did. Exodus chapter 20, it tells us that, you know, um, before he went up the mountain, there was thick thunder and darkness. And, you know, and I think that's why the Israelites were scared. And Moses had the same opportunity to be scared. But he knew that there was contact he wanted that weighed more than his feeling of fear. And so he went up the mountain alone. He went up the mountain alone. And we too must be willing to go alone, even in the body of Christ, even if no one else is going, even if others have become tired, we have responsibility. And God in his love and his mercy is telling us that today, that we ought to pursue God like never before. We need to shake off apathy and we need to shake off tiredness. We need to shake off contentment. We need to shake it off and pursue God with everything that we have and everything that we are. And we must be willing to go alone. We must be willing to go alone. We must be willing to do what no one else is doing. We must be willing to pay the price that no one else is paying to come face to face with God. I said it before and I'll say it again. It's still a possibility. And I believe that that is God's word to us today, that it's still possible to walk with God in immeasurable dimensions. As I round up here, I'm reminded of Elisha. Elisha also had to pay a price. He was given, you know, a check of what he wanted. And he said that he wanted a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. Now that's something daring to ask for. And Elijah said that, that's a hard thing that you've asked for. Nevertheless, it's not impossible, but it will require a price to be paid on your end. And that was Elisha. And that price in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10, was that he'd see Elijah when he'd be taken up. So that tells us that there's something special that comes as a function of what we see. I'll say that again. There's something special that comes as a function of what we see. It may take a level of sacrifice to obtain, but it will be well worth it in the end. And it's something that not just you, but your generation will never recover from. I'd like us to just take a few minutes to pray. And I want you to be honest with yourself and honest with the level at which you have pursued God with your life. And maybe this isn't your prayer, maybe this doesn't apply to you. But for me, I'm telling God today that I'm not satisfied and I won't be satisfied until I receive that face-to-face -face dimension with Christ. I won't, be, I won't be satisfied until I reach that height of glory well, the world knows, where the world knows that I am a son of God, not because I've said it, not because I tell them that I go to church on a Sunday, but because my very presence with them brings conviction. People like Smigglesworth, who would walk into a cafe, not speaking to anyone, but people are brought to their knees. People have a conviction of their sin. 
And one thing that God has been reminding me of recent is that our lives on earth, it's not about us. It's about bringing souls onto the glory of God. And someone said, I think it's Pastor Rick Warren, that said that the melting point of this generation is extremely high. And so we need to be incredibly hot if we're going to take this generation for God. So again, the prayer today is God, I'm not satisfied and I won't be satisfied until I receive that God dimension of coming face to face with God. There's something that Apostle TJ prayed a number of years ago and I've never forgotten it. And he said that I refuse to die a bored Christian. I refuse to die a bored Christian. And to me, that means I want every dimension that is possible in God. So I want you to just take the time to pray and say, God, I want every dimension that is possible in you. I refuse to die bored. I want to live a life of spiritual adventure with you. I want more. I refuse to settle for less until I come face to face with you. I want every dimension that is possible in Christ Jesus. We're also going to pray. I want my generation to experience what is possible with you, O oh God. And because they've come in contact with me, I want them to come in contact with you. Enough is enough of being ordinary Christians. Enough is enough of just being Christians by name, but not really having the supernatural nature of Christ. And just pray this with me, that it's time for me to manifest my sonship. It's time for the world to know that I am a son of God, just as creation eagerly awaits my manifestation. I begin to walk in it like never before in the name of Jesus. Through this conference, through these sessions, oh God, let my sonship manifest like never before. Let me walk so closely with you. Let me walk so closely with you, oh God. Let me walk face to face with you. If there's just one person in this generation that this generation will never recover from, just like Elisha's generation never recovered from him, let me be that person, oh God, in the name of Jesus. I'm tired of the norm. I'm tired of the norm. I'm tired of the norm. Father, give me the new thing that you've said is possible with you. Walking face to face with God. Amen. And just as I said in the beginning that this word face to face with God or the theme for this conference, God dimensions, it's not just a title and it's not just a theme but it's an invitation. It's an invitation to come up higher. It's an invitation to know God in all of his manifest and manifold wisdom. It's an invitation to walk with him like you've never walked with him before. He's saying that it is possible for you, but there's a price to be paid. And if you are willing to pay the price that you ought to, just like Elisha was able to pay his price, God is willing to give us those dimensions that we want from him. And so shall it be. 
in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that the word will bear maximum fruit in your life. Let us know how this message has impacted you. For more information about our ministry and events, visit our social media handles at Network Edification or send us an email on admin at networkedification.org. Network Edification, advancing the kingdom in all sphere of influence.